Hello, and welcome to this episode of Special Ed Rising, the podcast, No Parent Left Behind, a show aimed at parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities, but welcome siblings, teachers, healthcare professionals, and anyone interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health, wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're looking for an open, friendly, and honest source to inform and inspire you, then you've come to the right place. I'm Mark, and I have 34 years of experience teaching kids and coaching parents, and I'm your host. I hope this podcast can inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children. Always keep you and your mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health in mind. Attending to these areas will allow you to be all you hope to be for them. Today I want to address something that happened in Mississippi earlier this month that left me heartbroken. I could leave it alone, but I've been thinking that if I can talk about it and use it as a motivator to inform every parent or guardian of a young child of their rights and the laws for vetting, as well as some realities of the state of childcare hiring post-pandemic, it might be of value. This is an episode for all parents. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip, followed by good news community share for some promising and inspiring news that impacts, connects, celebrates, and gives hope to your child and parents like yourselves. Today's share relates something exciting happening in the world of Disney. So let's join together as a community and use our powers towards another win. A friend of mine sent me an article entitled, Former Mississippi Daycare Workers Charged After Wearing Scream Masks to Scare Children. We spoke about this incident prior to my reading the article and watching the video of exactly what took place. When I first heard of it, without knowing any more than these workers had donned the scary masks, I learned that they were being arraigned on child abuse charges. I admit, I didn't in the initial moments imagine how what they did, though completely inappropriate on its face, rose to criminal status. I did say that they should be fired for sure. And then I watched the actions of these women. Well, I don't even know if the criminal charges are enough to meet the degree of blatant abuse of power and position, emotional abuse of helpless children, neglect of one's responsibility to protect a child and simply put the pure, unadulterated, evil ambitions of these women who tortured these babies. When I watched this video, saw the actions of these care providers, and heard the abusive yelling they perpetrated towards these terrified, screaming children, I was literally, with no exaggeration, frozen. The back of my neck stiffened, and I could feel my body shaking. The only thing I can compare it to is if I were watching an innocent, helpless person being beaten in real life in front of me. When I was a teen, I watched an amateur boxing match live, and the repulsion I felt as one young man was beaten bloody is the best thing I can compare it to, and it still doesn't rise to the level of horror and heartbreak I was feeling and continue to feel over this nightmare act. These women change their voices to sound like witches or something other than human, as if they were knives used to cut open and allow the terror to penetrate deeper screaming at the babies just inches from their faces to put up the toys, put them up. One woman chased a two-year-old around the classroom, screaming. 
I can only imagine the heart-pounding horror that baby was feeling. Now, I'm not trying to scare you. This is, this is a rare incident for sure. Yet I feel moved by it to connect with you, the parent or guardian, in a way that helps me to process it and what I saw here and use it as an opportunity to remind all of us that we have some say in who we entrust our children to. If you don't know your rights in the process of how schools, daycare, and after-school facilities vet their employees, maybe this can give you some food for thought. And I, and believe me, I, I don't imagine pretty much any parent doing this, but maybe we should be thinking about it. And before I continue, I want to make it crystal clear that I am not, and I repeat, not putting any blame on inf or inferring any responsibility on the parents of these two-year-olds for not vetting the caretakers of that facility in Mississippi. They are victims just as their children are. And this is a particularly cruel example and far from the rule. I know not everyone has the option to decide not to send their child to a place that they aren't 100% pleased with. Money concerns, job responsibilities, time constraints, these things can force you into such situations uh, without very few options. But to the best of your abilities, given your situation, know that you can make a difference. My desire here is to offer some information, some facts, updates on laws, and some impressions I've gotten from what I've seen as a teacher around other teachers and caretakers. I want to encourage you as much as you can to know what your child's time away from you is like and the people you leave in their care. We can't always be on top of it all. We have to trust that the right people are handling our children's time away from us and generally that trust is rewarded. But I want you to be okay with asking questions of people that your child comes in contact with who cause you some concern perhaps or send up some red flags for you. I don't want to add stress to your already stressful lives as it concerns your children. I do not want that to be the consequence of this podcast. My purpose here is to support you to take action on behalf of your children if you feel it's needed. The world has changed so much, and since the pandemic, care facilities are they're having a difficult time finding help. And that causes me concern about the vetting process. How effective is it? Are they all consistent? Are these daycare and after-school programs holding to the same standards of background checks even when the law requires them to. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there may be some holes at times. As a result, people can slip through cracks, and that's nothing new. But be confident to ask questions to get answers that are satisfactory before you entrust your child to the care of anyone. Research these facilities and ask others whose children have gone to them. I see the difficulty with the hiring of caretakers in the assisted living facility my mom is in. She's in memory care, and she and the other residents are more vulnerable because they're helpless, like babies, and rely on the compassion and skill of their aides. I've seen and complained to the director about certain people who have no place looking after anyone. They could be angry, dismissive, bored, uninvolved, complaining, and on and on. But there's been a shortage of help, and people have been hired who shouldn't be. This is no different in care facilities of every kind. I feel schools are more diligent and overseen with a sharper lens, thankfully. But morning care programs, daycare, after-school care, these present different problems when it comes to caretakers. AmericanProgress.org reports in September of 2022, the child care sector will continue to struggle hiring staff unless it creates good jobs. 
Childcare sites across the country are facing immense challenges hiring and retaining staff amid a shortage of good jobs, leaving parents struggling to find care and placing increasing stress on the workers that remain. Childcare workers, which include both teachers and aides slash assistant teachers, are some of the lowest paid workers in the United States and are less likely than other workers to have access to benefits through their employer. Additionally, workers of color in the sector experience very large pay gaps. Since February 2022, the child care workforce has lost 88,000 jobs, or 8.4% of its pre-pandemic workforce. Amid a tight labor market that has given low-wage workers more power, many low-wage workers are reassessing their career choices and seeking better jobs from their employers and the labor market. The child care workforce in particular has demonstrated that without major improvements to the quality of jobs, including better wages, workers do not plan to return to their pre-pandemic work. Disability Scoop from October 2022 reports, disability service providers across the nation are overwhelmingly turning away new referrals, shutting down programs and services, and struggling to maintain standards, and there's no relief in sight. Findings released this month from a survey of 718 organizations serving people with intellectual and developmental disabilities nationally show that providers are continuing to shrink more than two years after the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic set the beleaguered sector into a tailspin. Of the providers surveyed, 83% say they are turning away new referrals, 63% indicated that they have discontinued programs and services, and more than half said they're considering further closures. Nearly all respondents said they're having trouble achieving quality standards. So we are in a crisis time for good health care and child care workers. You have the right and the obligation to know who's watching your child. People are complicated. There are many reasons they get into the caretaker industry. In my experience, not quoting any studies here, this is just from my experience. There are those who are pure of heart in their intentions, selfless in their actions, and positive in their modeling. There are those who come with a chip on their shoulders and have little patience and feel deserving. There are those who have a savior complex, wanting to receive as much attention as the hero who sees all the problems and solves them and sometimes gets far too involved. And there are those who just don't like kids and make you wonder why they're even there. There are combinations of those as well and probably other categories of them, but these cover it pretty well generally again, from my experience. Who's watching your kids when you aren't? It should never be a question you can't answer. What are the vetting practices of your school and the organizations you entrust your child to? You have a right to know. Here are some things to know about the vetting process according to childcareaware.org. New federal law will require states to conduct criminal background checks on all childcare employees that work at a licensed, license-exempt, regulated, and registered child care provider. Your local Child Care Resource and Referral, or CCR&R, agency can update you on where your state is with the implementation of this new law. It is always important to ask your provider if they have completed a background check on all adults who will be around your child. What does a comprehensive background check include? Well, first, state criminal and sex offender registries, State Child Abuse and Neglect Registry, National Crime Information Center run by the FBI, FBI Fingerprint Check, and National Sex Offender Registry run by the Department of Justice. 
Note that individuals who volunteer in a child care program may not need to have a comprehensive background check. Each state has its own policy regarding volunteers and background checks. Call your local CCR and R agency for more information. That's child care resource and referral. Staff can begin working at a child care facility before all pieces of the federal background check are completed, but they must be supervised at all times by a staff member who has successfully completed the background check. Staff members must complete a background check at least once every five years. I'll include the rest of this article on my resource page on my website. I know how hard it is to be vigilant in every sphere of your child's life, checking every box before letting them out of your sight to ensure their safety. We can't live in fear, but we can be assertive in knowing the people your child will be looking to for support, encouragement, security, and trust. Don't fear that you're being the disruptive parent or the pain-in-the-neck parent. People's opinions of you in this regard mean nothing when by asking questions it helps you to sleep at night. Now, if you want to read the article and what happened in Mississippi, I'll include it on my resource page, but I'd be remiss if I didn't suggest maybe skipping the video or really thinking hard before watching it, because it's rough. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from childcareaware.org, and it's a child care center checklist with general health, supervision, safety, staff qualifications, child care policies and procedures, and more questions for you to use when looking at a potential child care facility. I'll include the checklist on my resource page, and you can find it on their site. Again, childcareaware.org. Today's Good News Community Share comes from DisabilityScoop.com. Disney expands costume options for children with disabilities by Sean Heasley. Just in time for Halloween, Disney is adding to its lineup of costumes customized to meet the needs of kids with various disabilities. The company said it is now offering eight adaptive costumes and five wheelchair covers, allowing children to dress as iconic characters like Jasmine from Aladdin, Woody or Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story, Elsa from Frozen 2, Black Panther, and more. The adaptive costume features stretch fabric that opens in the back to make them easier to get on and off, as well as longer inseams for wheelchair-friendly wear and flap openings on the front to allow for tube access. Wheelchair covers are designed to fit standard 24-inch wheels. Disney's adaptive role-play line has been really well-received by the community and popular among both children and adults. As we expand the adaptive role-play collection, we're able to connect our iconic franchises with fans and families with thoughtful design that meets the needs of more of our guests and allows everyone to take part in their favorite stories. Disney's adaptive costumes and wheelchair covers are available on its website for $49.99. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics close to your heart and welcome fresh and informative insights into areas that are new to you. It's an honor to have you tune in and a pleasure to share with you. 
All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram at Special Ed Rising, Facebook at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent coaching through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. I would love for you to share some of your stories, which I can add to the community share page of my website. And with your permission, I'd love to share your submission with the audience. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, peace and keep rising. (music) 